You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life podcast. We are... uh, Praying through the pandemic here on A Bigger Life. I don't mean that in joking way. I mean it in a way that there's joy in having our focus in the right place. That's what prayer does. That's what meditation on scripture does. And, you know, to whatever degree this pandemic has caused you, forced you to see that God is your only hope more than maybe some of the things that you trusted in before is the degree that this pandemic has done you a favor because that is the reality your life has always been in. It's always been the reality. You've never been in control of your life. Life has always been a gift. Every moment has been an undeserved gift of God. And we're learning what it means. I don't mean that in a in a way that implies we didn't know before. I guess we're relearning or reemphasizing or re-experiencing what it means to really put our hope in God. And I know for me, uh, when I read the scriptures, they have a little bit more life to them because they're a little bit more relevant than they were before when it was easier to put my trust, my confidence in the control I had over my life, my circumstances, the predictability of life. And now that all that is up in the air and things seem more uncertain than at any time in my lifetime, it really has forced me to come to the scriptures and come to God in prayer with a greater sense of need, a greater sense of dependence, a greater humility. Maybe that's happening in your life too. And I hope that that's what's happening as we go through these prayers together, these scriptures together in a bigger life. I want to look today at uh, Ephesians chapter one. So a couple episodes ago, we looked at Ephesians chapter three, where we saw a prayer of the apostle Paul And there's another prayer of the Apostle Paul in the first chapter of Ephesians. And when we read these prayers, it's good to keep in mind, it's good to remind ourselves that as the Spirit of God inspired in a unique way the apostles to write Scripture as the Word of God, that these prayers are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're they're prayers that God uh, wants us to pray for ourselves. And I think... um, when we look at this prayer, we'll see why it's um, particularly helpful right now in the uncertainties of this pandemic. In fact, I think of Ephesians 1 is particularly helpful. The whole chapter is really a helpful chapter to read in a pandemic because it gives us a much larger overview of what is going on in our lives, what the bigger story of our lives is all about. So the prayer we're going to look at is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. But what's happening is, is that that prayer is a response to what Paul has written before it in verses 3 through 14. Verses 3 through 14, in the Greek that this was originally written in, the ancient Greek language that Paul wrote in the entire New Testament is written in, In that language, it's a little different syntax structure than English. In that language, verses 3 through 14 is all one sentence. And it's all one sentence that is all one big summary of the gospel itself. So we're not going to read every verse because that would be too long for the purpose of this podcast. But this is one of those prayers where Paul begins it in verse 15 where he says, For this reason... 
And then he says, I have not stopped praying for you. But for this reason is referring back to what he just said in verses 3 through 14. So I want to look at a couple things that relate to what we're going to be praying so that we can understand more when we pray while we're praying it. One is, is that Paul says to these readers in verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that might be a strange way to say it because Jesus is God as well. And when, when Paul says the word, our Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want to get into something that would take too much time, so maybe just for now take my word for it. You can study it another time. But whenever that term Lord Jesus Christ is used in the New Testament, it's saying Yahweh Jesus Christ. It's it's using that term that was used in the Hebrew scriptures. What they would say is the Hebrew word for Lord, Adonai, but what would they be reading is the Hebrew letters for Yahweh, but they didn't want to pronounce it for reasons we're not going to go into now. So that's kind of a a Yahwistic title for Jesus. It's saying Yahweh, the I am, the name of God in in the Old Testament. Praise be to the God and Father of our Yahweh, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is God, the Father is God. But what Paul's doing here, and I think this is important for us to always remember, is that Jesus taught his disciples to see God as their Father, to approach God in prayer as a father. So the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. And Jesus taught through the Gospels that He's a that God is a father, even though he's the God that created this entire universe, and we know now what that means more than they knew 2,000 years ago, the incredible size of the galaxies in the universe that God created all this and still wants us to call him our father. And he's our father that we can pray to in secret. We can go in our room, shut the door, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, and know that our father is there in secret just with us, that the, the I am is 100% with us and not any less anywhere else because he's infinite. So that's how this sentence begins. And he says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Now, we read that and we might think, oh, okay, well, that'd be nice when I get there, I'll have some blessings in heaven. That's not, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that heaven is not a place. Heaven is a realm where there's... The story of the Bible is that God created the earth to be heaven on earth. Chapter 1 of Genesis talks about human beings created in the image of God to to be like God and partnering with God to be in control over creation, the earth. Be God-like kings and queens and princes and princesses over his creation because we are in relationship with God, we're reflecting the glory of God, we're reflecting the love of God. And that chapter 2 says that he put Adam and Eve in this garden that was the presence of God, the kingdom of God on earth, and their job was to spread that garden, that presence of God, that heaven on earth throughout the earth. But when they sinned, they were kicked out of the garden and that plan was put on hold. And so we live in a, on an earth that is not, that heaven has left the earth and it is not what God intended in chapter one or chapter two of Genesis. So you may have heard we live in a Genesis three world uh, where there's thorns and thistles and dust and death. And that's what we're experiencing in things like pandemics. But God has this plan that in Christ, 
And that term in Christ is so important in this because in these verses 3 through 14, that term in Christ or in him appears 11 times. It's kind of the thread that is sowing the gospel of this of these of this sentence of these verses together it's the thread of the larger story being in Christ we have this blessing of heaven that's going to return to earth and every spiritual blessing that is heavenly that is of heaven that is of this plan in Christ is already ours because we are if we are believers in Christ we are already in Christ. And he says in verse 5 therefore in love that was his motive that's what it's in that's the primary uh relationship that God has with us now in Christ in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Let's not get into what predestination means. You can figure it out if you just look at the word. It just means that God has determined beforehand. He has a plan beforehand. He is our father. And Jesus Christ, which means King, Messiah, is our King. And in Christ, we are citizens of heaven, Paul says in Philippians 3.20, already citizens there. It's coming back to earth. This is our destiny. This is his predestined plan that the Father has because of his love for us. He has a plan of bringing about this kingdom of heaven back to earth. It's a mystery, he calls it. In verse 9, of what God has purposed in Christ, we it's a mystery that's hard to understand, but it's a mystery, he says in verse 10, that in Christ he is bringing all things in heaven and earth again together in Christ. Now, in the Greek language, the word that's used here is an interesting word. It's a word, you've heard the word decapitated. It means to cut the head off of something. Well, this is a the Greek word that means to recapitate, it recapitulate. It's to put the head back on. And because of humanity falling in the person of Adam, the king fell, the kingdom was lost, so to speak. But Christ being the true king who God himself has become human, has taken the throne on the cross and by his resurrection, and he will return as king in a kingdom. He's already king in a kingdom that's already and not yet at the same time. and But he has recapitulated. He has re-put the head back on. He's the head and reconciled, brought together everything in heaven and earth again. This is the story that's happening. This is the story our life is in. Christ is doing this, and those who are in Christ are part of this as we live redemptively. And as we live in Christ, in God's love, understanding God is our Father, Jesus is our King, we're citizens of heaven that's coming back to earth, and there is this plan of this mystery, this purpose of recapitulating heaven and earth together again in Christ. God has this plan. Look at verse 11. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Now that's a mouthful. But what it means is God is in complete control. The Father is in complete control. Christ is the King who's in complete control, and He is bringing about His plan, His predestined, pre-planned plan, working out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. That includes pandemics. That includes everything in your life right now. 
that you're not in control of, all the uncertainties that might cause anxiety and worry and fear in all of us, we have to remember that God is our Father, Jesus is the King, He is bringing about a plan of conforming everything with the purpose of His will, And he says that you also were included in Christ, and so you're included in this plan, you're included in his love. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is the king, that heaven is coming back to earth, that forgiveness of sins is possible in him, so that you can be aligned with Jesus as your king. That's what faith is. He says, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him. That's kingly language. You were marked in him with a seal, the seal of a king. When you believed, and when the New Testament talks about faith or believe, it's not just talking about believing something is true. Because it says even demons believe God is God and that Jesus is God. That doesn't mean that they're anything more than demons still. It's not just a matter of believing something to be true, but it's an issue of allegiance. The idea of biblical faith is allegiance with Jesus as our king. We're learning how to do that as Christians. We don't do it perfectly. That's why the Lord's Prayer has built into it, forgive us of our sins. So we're not talking about a sinless existence. We're talking about learning what it means to have to be aligned, to have allegiance with Jesus as our king, to submit to him, to trust in him, to worship him, So let me read these verses again, 13. And you also were included in Christ. That term used 11 times in these verses 3 through 14. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation, being salvation not dying going to heaven, but salvation being restored to the righteousness and the love and the glory of what it means to be in the image of God that we are fully restored in when we have a resurrection like Jesus' resurrection one day. It begins now. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. That's language of the time of ownership, authority, possession of God. The promised Holy Spirit, that's the seal, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance All we have now is this guarantee of the Holy Spirit that we are heirs, that we have this inheritance. He says, until the redemption of those who are God's possession. That's the seal, we're God's possession. But there's a time that is already and not yet. Who is our, the Holy Spirit is our promised deposit who is guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the story we're in. This is in ways we can't see what God is doing all throughout history, and bringing about this future. That Jesus is the king, that we have the seal of his ownership upon us. We are his possession, and his Holy Spirit is in us as a deposit, guaranteeing that we have this inheritance to come. This is what our story is. This is what we have to remind ourselves of. And so that's when Paul gets into the prayer. And it's what makes the prayer so important because this is serious. This, this story, this one sentence between 
verses 3 and 14 is the story that our lives are in. It's the story that is the struggle of our faith, the struggle of our allegiance, the struggle of will we live lives redemptively as part of this story? Or do we want to be our own king? So Paul's prayer now makes sense. And here's what he says. I'm just going to read the prayer and then we're going to pray it. I keep asking that God, our, the God of our Father, excuse me, let me start again. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, there's that term again, may give you the Spirit. There's the whole Trinity right there. Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, our Father, the Holy Spirit, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart Interesting term, right? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know with your heart, the the eyes of your heart being enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, in Colossians, it says this is an inheritance that his Holy Spirit Give that, that his holy people have. So we don't want to misread this and think that, that it's something that's in us as much as it's something that is for us. This inheritance, this glorious inheritance that is for us in Christ and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, what he's talking about there, is the same, he says, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, not a place, but a realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named. So let's pray this prayer and let's soak in it. Let's make this prayer our prayer. Let's meditate on it. Let's let it become something that deepens its roots of truth in our own minds and hearts that we would have our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, enlightened in order that we may know these things to be more true for us. Let's pray. Glorious Father, the Father Jesus told us we can come before in Jesus' name, not as a little thing we say, but this is the only reason why we can call God our Father is because Jesus is our King and we are in Jesus. We come before you in Jesus. We don't come on our own. We don't dare come on our own. We come before you in Jesus and Him alone so we can call you our glorious Father and not have to fear you, but we can bow our knees to you because we know that in love you have called us and brought us into this plan of redemption, of bringing heaven back to earth and bringing us to full conformity to being what it means to be created in the image of God, in Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. We want to bow to Jesus as our Lord. We bow to Jesus as our King. We want to stop resisting. We want to bow our head and submit and trust and align ourselves with Jesus as our King, God as our glorious Father. 
and the Holy Spirit in us, Christ in us, we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, we are in the Holy Spirit, and therefore the Father is in us, and we are one, Jesus says in John 17. And we pray that you may give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation. We're not praying for something who's already in us because it says the Spirit of God is already in us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance And in verse 13 and 14. So we're not praying that we would receive the Spirit. We're, we're praying that more and more your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and revelation. That word revelation in the Greek just simply means pulling back the curtain that we would know you better, that you would remove whatever veil that keeps us from knowing God as our glorious Father, from knowing Jesus as our glorious Lord and King, that you would pull back that veil, that you would give us wisdom of, of reality, that we would see reality and know you better, draw closer to you, bow our Stiff necks to your rule, to your love, to your glory. We pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. That you would help our hearts to have this light. That we would have this wisdom and revelation of knowing the glory of God and the glory of our Father. And therefore, that our hearts would be enlightened in order, that, in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. You have summoned us. You are calling us into this hope. Not despair, not depression, not worry, not anxiety, but you are calling us by your Holy Spirit in Christ into this hope. Our eyes are on you as our glorious Father. Our eyes are on Jesus as our Lord and King who is in control of all circumstances, bringing about this eternal purpose that he had before the creation of the world, it says in verse 4. Bringing about everything in conformity to the will of God, he says in verse 11. And that that purpose is a mystery, but that that purpose in Christ is to bring, to recapitulate all things in heaven and on earth in Christ again. This is the hope to which you have called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance. Riches not like silver and gold, and, but the true riches that all of that simply points to as imagery of the riches of what it means again to flourish in the righteousness and the glory and the love of heaven on earth and being in resurrected bodies without sin, without death, without pain. The riches of your glorious inheritance for us in Christ. And that we would have the eyes of our heart enlightened so that we would know your incomparably great power for us who believe. For us who align ourselves with Jesus as King. For us who trust in your promises. Trust in your plan. Trust in your purpose. Want to live redemptively. And with Christ in us the incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as when he raised Jesus from the dead. 
that this is a resurrection power in our lives, this power to bring about every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm that is already ours in Christ, that will fully be ours realized in the resurrection, this power of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, that, that Jesus is the King, fully on his throne, fully in control, and the power of Christ, the power of this gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of our glorious Father flowing through us, in us, to bring about this redemptive life now and this hope that we've been called into, the riches of your glorious inheritance of a resurrection on a resurrected earth. This is the story that's happening. All things are being recapitulated in Christ and heaven and on earth. This is the story our lives are in. This is our hope. We don't want to get stuck only looking at things horizontally and fearing what could happen, but we want to have this vertical promise, this vertical eyes of our heart enlightened so that we know this story. We know who is king. We know our glorious father. We know that this plan of love is unfolding and we are in it. And so we have this faith that God's purpose is good and is happening, that Jesus is king in control and he rules forever, that love is your motive and all that you're doing for us, and that this is our hope this resurrection, this promise of heaven coming back to earth. And so we have boldness in all of our uncertainties and we have confidence in all of our fears. And we pray these things in the name of the one whose name is above every name, seated far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. We come and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.